proceeding from the great commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, the early church exploded and countless souls were made new by the atoning work of Christ. Dead hearts were made alive and churches sprouted up throughout the world. As a need for clear and concise biblical interpretation arose, the Reformed Confessions of the Faith were written and still have a major impact on the church today. The Confessional Collective desires to see healthy, theologically sound churches planted and on mission for the Kingdom of Christ. Welcome to the Confessional Collective. Welcome to the Confessional Collective, where truth meets mission. My name is Aaron Carr. I am your host as well as the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Trent, Michigan. In today's collective, we actually have one of our church planters, Brian Evans. Brian, how you doing, man? I'm good. Blessed. Brian is planting in Detroit. Um, he's got some exciting news of things that are going on there, but I want Brian just to share a little bit of his story and his uh, journey into the Reformed faith, and then we'll specifically hit some uh, topics on planting and specifically in the urban context. Yeah, so my background has... Uh, always been um, inner city Detroit. I was born and raised there. Um, typical inner city Detroit guy. Um, grew up in the streets in a broken home, so got into my share of trouble during my teenage years, but the Lord kind of intervened in my life when I was 19 years old. Um, the Lord began to deal with my conscience. The Lord began to deal with me about um, the way I was living. At that time, my uncle uh, planted a church. And right around the time that God began dealing with my heart, my uncle began to spend time with me. I started going to his church uh, at the bribery of my mother, because at the time I wasn't really interested in church. But the Lord used my relationship with my uncle to lead me to lead me to Christ. And so at the age of 19, I, uh, I left the life that I was living. I began going to church. I got married, began to become a father, uh, started working and um, just became very interested in understanding what the Christian faith was about. Started going to the library, checking out books, was very interested in church history, started reading and learning about all of these these folks that I'd never heard of before, St. Augustine and John Calvin, Martin Luther and stuff like that. And um, just began to wonder why was these things not being taught in the community of churches that I was affiliated with. Um, I began to realize just how much we were not being taught in, in our church. And that's, that is what awoke, awoke, um, created in me a desire to uh, expose the inner city community to what I call biblical Christianity. I've always had this driving passion to want to... Um, expose my community to biblical preaching and teaching. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much what brings me to where I am now. And Brian, you got kind of a unique story in that it was the Detroit Public Library that mm. God used to turn you on to the Reformed uh, faith. Mm. Those early days, I know um, just from talking to you, um, that you're reading guys, like you said, like Martin Luther and John Calvin, you read through the entire uh, Calvin's uh, Institutes. Mm. That must have been earth-shattering for you in the sense of just the, 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 the types of things he's hitting in there, everything from sacramental, mm. understanding mm. of you know, baptism and, and, and communion to uh, understanding of the role of the church and mm. God's sovereignty. 
kind of share with us that that kind of enlightenment and struggling uh, doctrinally. What was that like for you, kind of, as you're reading through that and grasping the scriptures and, and making sense of all that? Yeah, it, 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 it was earth shattering. I had come out of a context. I I had I got saved in a little storefront Pentecostal church, and um, you know I got saved among a, a group of godly uh, folks. Some Bible-loving uh, Christian folks, but the, the the focus and the emphasis was always on experience and feelings and what God was doing in my life personally. And there was just something about that that left me unsatisfied. And uh, as I was, as I picked up Calvin's Institute, um, when I began to, the first thing that struck me about Calvin's Institute is how God-centered it was how Calvin talks so much about the majesty of God and about the sovereignty of God. And, and he showed the interrelatedness of, of the whole biblical story, showing how that uh, God is sovereign even in salvation, that he is the one who predestines and elects, and that Christ came to, to die specifically for the elect, and that the elect will persevere because in Christ he saves them to the uttermost. And it made Christianity, uh, I begin to see the depth of Christi- Christian teaching. Uh, reading Calvin and the Puritans and uh, the old Scottish Covenanters and, and all of those types of people, it, it exposed me to the richness of Christianity, that this was not just some, uh, it was not just some emotional thing. It was not just some, uh, a bunch of rules to live, but uh there's something very deep and rich and life transforming about it. And it, and it's uh, something beyond words can describe. As you're kind of walking through that and dealing with things like the doctrine of election, uh, the, the, the role of, of, of God, I'm, I'm assuming he becomes much bigger. He Most his involvement in your life to know you, um, before you were even born, mm, right? Mm. And that begins to really change your worldview. But one of the things you've already kind of suggested, this was not your background. This was not right. um, your upbringing. I know that um, you coming from the streets and then being radically saved by God through your uncle's church, and then again, in a sense, right. radically enlightened, I'll use that, that phrase, um, to these truths and these concepts, kind of left you in a quandary, though, of where to go, where to exactly. attend church, and share a little bit of that struggle and, and why you see the need of Reformed Church in the city. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, at first, I didn't know where do you go to get this teaching from. You know, again, in my context, yeah, we were hearing sermons about Jesus and the blood of Christ and all of that, but on a very superficial level. Uh, but I begin to I became more and more hungry for reformed preaching and teaching, and um, at first I didn't know where to look, find it. Uh, I discovered R.C. Sproul on the radio by accident, and uh, that's when I knew to associate reformed teaching with Presbyterianism. And so I started looking around for some Presbyterian churches. The first Presbyterian church I went to was actually a liberal church, part of the PCUSA. I went there one Sunday morning and heard some liberal message about how to be a Christian on your job. And I said, well, this can't be a real Reformed church. Um, but then I heard, uh, I found out about another church with the RPCNA, the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America, in the suburbs outside of Detroit. 
and started visiting there and started attending there for a while. But the problem that I, I found was that even though I, I love the biblical worship, I love the, the strong theology and the biblical preaching, but my heart still longed for my community. I still had this passion to see other Detroiters learning this good theology too. I never believed that it was God's will for me to just leave my community and go assimilate somewhere else. I've all, I always felt that God exposed me to these teachings in order to expose others in my community. And so I began this journey of trying to find some Reformed folk who would help me to um, be able to go back and, and take this Reformed teaching to my community. And for years, uh, I went into one bad experience from one bad experience to the next because one thing I found out is that in the Presbyterian church, there, there are some high demands for education. And, you know, I'm a self-taught guy. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the things I learned about the Reformed faith, I learned through my own, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just think that some of the people that I was working with, they were not ready for a person like myself, somebody who understood the Reformed faith and could articulate it, but didn't come from the, the typical background of seminary and and um, the running in the type of circles that the typical Presbyterian pastor might run in. Um, so it wasn't until a mutual friend connected me with you that the Lord led me to somebody who understood that in order to plant a black reformed church, we're going to have to maybe do some things in an unconventional way. And so uh, connecting with you was a match made in heaven because uh, for something like this to be done, it, it, I realized it would take someone who would understand that we might have to go an unconventional route in order to make this happen. Yeah, and, and just so our listeners understand, Brian is not a guy that's saying, hey, give me a, a, a weaker way and a simpler way in. You're willing mm-hmm. to go in whatever, but... The reality is those in the Detroit community, the context, them coming over to the suburbs to attend a Presbyterian church is very unlikely. Mm. And yet making sure that we're qualifying men that can work in the context, Mm. that meet the standards, Mm. um, we have to kind of work through that process Mm -hmm. to make all the all the stars align, if you will, connect mm-hmm. uh, all mm-hmm. the dots, uh, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Mm-hmm. But that process has been um, a journey for us as well as mm-hmm. we had to go a route we call commission pastor, um, which allows Brian to serve in the context of Detroit. But our hope is to eventually see Brian become a full-fledged teaching elder um, and have all the rights and privileges. That process is something we're learning and journeying together on, but it's a necessary journey because, as we've said many times before, we don't want to be one and done. The idea is to see this process repeated over again and over again so that there are many African-American Presbyterian congregations in Detroit. Um, Was planting something that you even remotely began to think about? Kind of share it from an African-American context. I've heard you share before that planting isn't a natural uh, thought, but just so our listeners maybe can hear a little bit of that perspective. Yeah, the the background I come from, um, church plant, being a church planter or planting churches was not even terminology that was used. Um, usually a guy feels called the pastor and, and, you know, they refer to it as just going out and starting a work. You know, he just get a few people to follow him and they just get some space and just start preaching. There was no 
there was no real effort put into uh, developing a core team, uh, writing out a philosophy of ministry and uh, developing leadership training, you know, and things of that nature. And so it wasn't until I... I wasn't sure how God would use me. I knew that in some way God wanted me to be involved in in advancing reform faith in the black community. I always assumed that maybe I would just connect with somebody and work within somebody alongside some other pastor uh, until it, 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 it became obvious that I would have to be a pioneer because there was there was nobody else doing uh, or at least anybody that I felt that go along with us that think along the same lines that I think. I mean, there's other guys, reformed guys that are out there planting churches and doing things, but um, someone that I felt that I could work alongside of as a co-pastor, there was nobody that I felt fit that uh, description. So I felt that if this was going to happen, I would have to be the pioneer. I would have to be the one to start this. And um, at first I felt arrogant to think like that, but um, as time went on, it became more and more obvious that this, that planting and starting a church myself was something I would have to do. But in terms of just how to do it, I, I didn't have a clue. You know, my, I, I, my thoughts was that, hey, I would just accumulate maybe a good 10, 15 people, get a space, and we just start having worship service. But one of the things that, uh, was a blessing to me as I was able to be a part of the church planting residency here at First Prayers and meeting some of our other colleagues in Acts 29 is it showed me that, hey, there's a lot more to plant in the church than just having worship services. And so I was able to learn how to um, develop a strategy, develop a, a, a plan of, of how we would uh, target a community cultivate the ground, develop relationships, uh, and transition to worshiping and building a team, build, uh, developing leaders, uh, raising funds and supporters and all of that. So it was walking with First Prayers and, and some of our other colleagues in Acts 29 that helped me to see, okay, here's the steps. Here's how we're going to bring this dream, this vision that I have in my heart Here's the actual steps and the actual plan to make that happen. Now, as you're walking through that journey and kind of developing these steps, what would you say have been some of the more difficult aspects, um, whether it's contextually or just mm -hmm. even just personally, as you begin to, to roll up your sleeves and do the, the work of a church planner? Well, it's, it's, it's very challenging. I think one of the, uh, one of the biggest... Uh, challenges to to church planting is is it really helps it really causes you to to really think and 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 examine your motives and examine yourself and your call to know has God truly called me to do this or not uh, it's been a very challenging work uh, there's there's discouraging times there's days when things don't go the way you the way you would like it to go. Uh, one of the big parts of, of planning a church is, is being able to sell your vision. And, um, you know, you, you can't plan a church by yourself. You need other people to serve alongside you as leaders. You need people who will follow. You need people that will help. And so one of my biggest challenges has been 
selling my vision to other people and, and getting them to want to come on board and play a part. And sometimes it's discouraging because sometimes, you know, people, sometimes people give you the cold shoulder. Sometimes people say, um, no, I don't think so. And you have to be able to get your ego out of the way and, 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 and not sit back and lick your wounds and have your feelings hurt because this person said, well, or this person didn't do what they said they were going to do or this person didn't want to walk with you. You have to go on to the to the next thing. And so um, this whole process has it has provided the opportunity for me to really examine um, my motives and, and my beliefs about what God has called me to do. Uh, the good thing about it is that it has it has afforded me the opportunity to really zero in on what I really believe God has called me to do. And to be clear about what my vision is, clear about what my core values are, and uh, clear about um, the people that God have called me to reach. Let's talk a little bit about that contextually in, in reaching the African-American community with Reformed theology. Uh, sometimes I think people make it harder than it needs to be. Mm. And sometimes it's more difficult than we understand it to be. Mm. Can you kind of help us think through that strategically as a church planter, uh, a black man planting a Presbyterian church in the heart of a city that many have walked away from and said, there's no hope there. Right. You just kind of help us understand how do you do that? How? Because how, there's got to be church and pastors that are listening saying, yeah, yeah that's just not doable. Right. And you're here, you are saying, yes, it is. And we want to see it reduplicated over mm. again and over again. Mm. What does that look like? I think it was uh, Charles Spurgeon or B.B. Warfield who said that uh, Reformed theology is just a nickname for biblical Christianity. And that's that's the thing that encourages me is that I believe the uh, Reformed faith can thrive in any community because it's biblical. So ultimately, my goal is not to preach a theological system. My goal is to preach the Word of God. It's just that I believe that the Reformed faith is the is the is the best way to understand what the Bible teaches. Reformed theology for me is just the lens through which I interpret uh, biblical teaching. And so my goal is to teach the word of God. And, and one thing about the inner city is that there is people in the inner cities have a high regard for the Bible. I mean, of course, you have you have cults and you have false religions and you have people who who don't affiliate with any religion at all. But for the most part, there's still a, 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 a significant amount of respect for the Bible in the African-American community. And. I believe that if you take the Bible and open it up and teach it to them, I believe that they will see, they will see the truth that is there if you teach it with love and dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So my my whole philosophy and my belief is that, as Paul mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, by speaking the truth in love. So uh, part of the, uh, uh, one of the big things, uh, components of, of, of 5.7 ministry is that uh, we want to transform the community not only through discipleship but also through community service. I believe that the needs that exist in the inner city community provides a good unique opportunity for us to to love on people and serve people 
and disarm them and open their hearts to hearing the truth from us. So one of the things, as you know, uh, Pastor Aaron, is that from the beginning, we have made a big effort to serve the community and say, hey, we're not just here to preach to you. We want to love on you. So uh, and, and there's more than enough opportunities to show love in the city. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness there. I believe that when you show the people that you genuinely love them and care about them, they will be open to hear what you have to say. Now, your ministry is called 5.7 Ministries, and of course, that's because the zip code 48224 yeah. that you are planting in is 5.7 uh, square miles. And um, 5.7.org is a way people can check out mm -hmm. your ministry and see what you're up to and learn a little bit more about you, read your blogs and other things. But God has really been doing a lot through 5.7 mm -hmm. over the last year. Everything uh, from the soccer programs mm -hmm. to school uh, uh, mentoring that you're involved in with some other men. And I know we have an upcoming backpack drive and mm. the opportunity to what you call a fun day. There's everything from family photographs to haircuts to, yeah. to backpacks and food and bouncers and the entire thing. But all of those are ways in which you've been building relationships mm. with, the, with the people of that 48224. Uh, what does those relationships look like? I mean, how, how, has, how, has it, how has your efforts helped cultivate relationships? Can you share some of those stories maybe with us to help us get some handles to, to what's really going on in that zip code? Yeah, most definitely. It's, you know, it, I tell you, um, I, I love the 48224 because it's, for one thing, it's a neighborhood that reminds me so much of my my childhood upbringing uh, it's, it's a neighborhood just like uh, the neighborhood I grew up in but the thing is is um, there is still a sense of community there I mean one of the things about it by it being a, a neighborhood where poverty is a reality and brokenness is a reality um, oftentimes the only thing that the people have is each other and so there's still that opportunity for for intimate personal relationships with people and you know I get people that you know when I do and another thing about serving in a community like that is small things uh, it doesn't take big things to to win people's uh, trust or to um, develop relationship with people but the small things just like for example um, last week I was out uh, cutting the grass over at the new church and a lady across the street from me, uh, I struck up a conversation with her and noticed that her grass needed cutting. And um, I just went over there and offered to cut her grass for her. And she was so appreciative of something like that, which to a lot of people might seem like, oh, well, you know, that's no big deal. But for her, that was she was so appreciative just of, of something like that. And um, the interaction with the kids, one of the things that I do is um, – I went out and bought a uh, big um, water cooler and I, and on hot days, I'll just fill it up with ice and juices and bottled waters and stuff and go buy a uh, big uh, from Sam's Club, a big thing of uh, Frito-Lay chips, the little bags and go out on the park and just open up the, the uh, water cooler and let the kids come and just get all the juices out and pass chips out. And the parents who are there with their kids they appreciate seeing something like that. And it, 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 it gives opportunities for me to talk to those parents. And, and when, when they see, you know, they, they're starting to know me as Pastor Brian. So every, 
the people in the neighborhood who see me regularly, they, they go Pastor Brian. And, and the one thing that they always ask me is, when your church going to open? When's your church going to open? I think the, the people there in the community, they're looking for a community-focused church. They're looking for a church that is that, that wants to love on the community. And um, I think that's what's most special about the thing, the um, the whole process with me is the opportunity to to develop intimate relationships with people. Uh, I think that um, when people see your love for them and they see your your genuine compassion, uh, those people will be willing to do anything for you. You know, they they see the church as as a part of their family. Now, God has gifted you guys with a building, and mm. that building we're currently in the midst of revitalization and, and, and all hands on deck, mm. so to speak, to get that thing up and running so we can begin to hold uh, services and, mm. and Bible studies and, and it's just outreaches there. And, and we, we continue to see God's, God's blessing, um, just even as the sign uh, was delivered and it put on mm. and all of a sudden people were stopping. And mm-hmm. so you're absolutely correct. There's a hunger mm-hmm. for something to be, to be done, something tangible that people can begin to, to sink their teeth in and, and feel um, the, the, the refreshment of, of mm. the gospel renewal. Um, what, what things I think are exciting you the most when you look at all that and what God has been doing over the last year? What brings you kind of uh, tears of joy to your eyes when you just look back and see God's, God's faithfulness? I think what excites me the most is the opportunity that, um, that all of this provides. Um, I, I, be, I, I believe that I, I believe that the gospel really is the answer to all social problems. And my community in the inner city of Detroit, we're a community full of social problems. I, I'm, I was once a part of that. I know what it's like to grow up without a father in the home. I know what it's like to grow up in a broken household. I know what it's like to be attracted to the streets because that's like your surrogate family. I know what it's like to grow up in ignorance. And with the partnerships I've developed, I've developed some great partnerships over the last few years, people who have a desire to see Detroit turned around. And as I, as I develop these relationships with people in the community, I see the opportunity that we have to to address some of these problems, to to actually make some real change, to bring some real transformation. The building, you know, God blessing us with this building. And I tell you, one of the things that excites me so much about the building is the fellowship area that we have in the basement, which which is the biggest project we have because there was some water damage down there. There was a sewage problem with the city and the water was backing up in the basement and messed the basement up. But um, we are making progress and and cleaning that basement up and renovating it. And as I'm down there uh, working in the basement and seeing it, seeing it get better uh, as we're preparing to paint and put new tiles down on the floor, I think about all of the, the dinners and the breakfasts and lunches that we can provide for children in that neighborhood. I think about all of the fellowshipping around coffee that can take place with the families and people in that neighborhood right there in that fellowship area. The Lord blessed us with 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 quite a bit of land 
Uh, we have a nice side. We have a couple of nice size parking lots. I think about all of the barbecues and the uh, cookouts that we can have on those on those facilities with the families from the neighborhood. So that's that's what excites me the most because I, I see that the Lord has given us a unique opportunity to really get into the lives of the people in this community and not just preach to the people, but actually love on them, serve them, walk with them, be a part of their lives and fellowship with them and uh, actually see the walk with these families and, and see these families be transformed. One of the things I think that excites me the most is the idea that you're going to be able to reproduce leaders. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited about you and what God has been doing in you and I don't take any credit for who you are. That's mm-hmm. all what God has been doing. We, we just got the blessing of, of meeting and being able to link up and, and to work together side by side. But it's, it's a powerful thing to look at the opportunity you're going to have to pour into other young men and develop church planners. Share a little bit of that vision and that side of what you're hoping to accomplish there through the facility, through the opportunities you have of... of of just seeing Detroit have multiple African-American-led Presbyterian churches. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's most definitely one of the things that excites me also. Um, you know, in, in my community, um, there there is a there's definitely that passion for the word of God. But the opportunity for training is something that has not. Uh, been in abundance in the in the inner city. Um, there's a lot of young guys that get called to the ministry, but may not have the resources to go to a Bible college or to go to a seminary. And one of the things that have happened through my relationships in Presbyterian circles, I've met a number of of pastors who who have had backgrounds in seminary and have been professors in Bible colleges, who come to me asking, "Can they help me? Do do you have young men?" who want to be trained and who want to to um, have some formal education where we can come down to your church or uh, come down and, and assist you and train and teach some of these men. And um, so, and even we've talked about some opportunities to provide education and training for some of these young guys. And and I have guys that come to me and and I've and I've expressed that opportunity to them and that, that excites them also because there are a lot of these men, they want to be trained. They want to, they want to be able to understand what systematic theology is all about. They want to understand um, um, things that that a lot of people only learn in seminary or in Bible college. So that is definitely uh, one of the biggest things that excites me is that I get the opportunity to to kind of reproduce myself. Uh, not that I think that I'm such a great guy, but but I really do. I really have a high regard for biblical theology and for uh, biblical church government and and biblical worship. I believe that these are not just um, theological things. I believe that these are gifts entrusted to the church that we are to cherish and that we are to guard and protect. And so having having people that are willing to train young men who, uh, and especially young men like myself, I, I look at some of these young guys, these teenagers, and and I see some of these young guys out here in the streets and some of these guys wasting their lives away. And I look at what God did to me. And I, I believe that what God did in my life and, and saving me, turning my life around 
and steering me to where I am today, I know it can be duplicated in the lives of so many other young men. And to have the opportunity to steer young men in that direction and to help them plant churches and provide for them what I didn't know was out there. You know, the the help I was looking for, it took me about 10 years to find my way to you. But for us to set up something initially in the beginning where some of these same guys who are looking for the same opportunities, we can come to some of these men and say, hey, look what we have uh, as a way to help you to to uh, fulfill the ministry God has given you. Uh, that excites me to be able to do that. God's definitely up to some good stuff, and we're excited to see where it all goes from here. Um, it's it's going to be exciting to see once they have the official launch and yeah. and uh, watch uh, the people God begins to accumulate and transform. Brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And uh, mm-hmm. if you want to learn more about Brian's ministry, make sure you check out 5.7.org. There's a opportunities to give to serve um we're still building core team if that's something god would lay on your heart that maybe the detroit uh metro area somewhere where you are being called um pick up the phone drop an email get a hold of brian and um see what god's up to have a great week everybody thanks for listening to the confessional collective podcast for more information and resources please visit confessionalcollective.com and be sure to like our facebook page